Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to be getting into the church at Sardis in Revelation chapter number 3. As it is Revelation Fridays, we're going through the book of Revelation to, to glean of those things which are to come. And in fact, this study being called the reality of Revelation, we, we dwell on and cover those things in commentary which are certain to come to pass. Uh, not as much arguments over the the points of seminary eschatology like premillennial, mid or postmillennial or amillennial, uh, as believing the kingdom of heaven, which is very clearly taught by Jesus, anyways, uh, as uh, or or pre-tribulation or you know mid-tribulation or post-tribulation concerning rapture which are things i believe very clearly taught by jesus we don't get into any of those things we deal with uh the the issues of those things which are certain to come to pass the the six seals of of revelation chapter six are things that are going to happen regardless of what you believe about when you you as the church leaves this earth or as concerning when jesus rules and reigns for a thousand years like it very explicitly speaks of in revelation chapter 20. Uh, and and we, we go through all of those different uh, trumpets. We go through those different bowls that are poured out. We, we're going to be digging into those things. But here in the last couple of weeks, we've, we've been looking at the church. And it's very important for us to, to consider the churches of Revelation because within any one given church in this modern day, you could find an example of all seven of these churches. And of course, today... We're dealing with the church at Sardis, and, and the difficulty of Sardis is because of Pergamos and Thyatira. As we understand, well, of course, I couldn't leave out Ephesus, having abandoned the love that they had for Jesus at the first. Uh, understand that, that the, the very nature of the church at Ephesus becoming more of a program-driven church instead of a spirit-led church will will bring you right down the road to becoming Sardis, which seems to be alive before the world because of all of the programs that they see happening in you. But you're dead before Christ because the Spirit isn't leading you. The programs are. And, and, and you'll find that within these programs, you could have the teachings of Balaam, uh, the, the teachings of of uh, the Nicolaitans, which would be Pergamus's problem, or you could find yourself in a situation where you're sensually driven, where you're you're emotionally driven, and and not uh, brought to the Word of God for the reasoning of of the Scriptures. In which case, you'd be a Thyatira with that with that spirit of Jezebel. So, uh, it's really, 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 really important for us to study the nature of these churches that Jesus reveals so that we may search our own soul and discover maybe, you know, as I look at these things, I say, man, I'm, I've been Sardis lately. I need to get right with God. Or, or I don't think these teachings of the church that I'm going to are exactly correct. I think that they're leading me to the path of 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 Jezebel or to the path of of the Nicolaitans and even denying the Lord Jesus that bought me or, or the, the the teachings are denying 
the 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 very or trying to add idols to me or you know whatever it would be um these churches are necessary for us to study to be able to search our own soul so having said that and and bringing that to light let's turn to the lord in prayer asking for his blessing upon his word so that we may receive it like it was said in in james yesterday the engrafted word the implanted word which is able to save our souls rather our need for eternal salvation as first coming to jesus or rather we need to be saved from the doctrine of the place that we're going to or we need to be saved from our own selves and the thinking that we had and and just like peter he said when you're converted help your brethren maybe that can happen today regardless let's trust in the lord and ask for his blessing upon us Father, we do thank you and ask that you will indeed bless us. We pray that you will watch over us this day and that you will give us understanding of that which is revealed to us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Scripture begins in verse number one. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in a white garment, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Now, very powerful teaching that Jesus gives to us today because of the nature. And I've said it a time or two before, but it's something that, that my pastor taught, uh, taught us in, in the church I started off in where I received Christ. And, and it's something that stuck with me all these years, and it's just been a point of fascination. So what I'm telling you is, is that this may not be entirely correct but it's it's interesting to think about, and that is the nature of the church as a whole. Now keep in mind that that in Revelation these these churches are receiving this, but the church doesn't have any lost people in it. Understand that the nature of the church are those who have been saved through the covenant received in Jesus Christ and have been baptized, following in the ser- in in the path of their Lord and serving him so understand that the church are saved and baptized believers in christ that have gathered together in their communities to to worship god as one in christ as many members become one body and and understand all of this this isn't dealing with the lost world around you this is dealing with the people that claim to be christians who certainly are believers Never make the mistake of thinking that I'm challenging the point of, of, of salvation. It, 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 you, you're a believer. Amen. 
But Christian has some some rules that go around it. Christian has some expectations, some service that is connected to it. If you do nothing with your life but show up to church on Sunday thinking you're a Christian, you're wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, Before you become overly offended, I didn't say you weren't a believer. I just simply said you weren't a Christian. Because a Christian's going to be where Jesus told him to, to be and is going to do what Jesus told him to do, is going to act like Jesus told him to act, is going to walk like Jesus told him to walk, is going to talk like Jesus told him to talk, and is going to love like Jesus. Now, and if that doesn't describe you, you might not be a Christian. I'm just saying, none of us are going to be perfect all the time about all of these things. But we certainly are going to give it our best effort every time and, and strive to be better tomorrow than we were today. If that doesn't describe you, well, I'm not questioning the fact that you're a believer. But a Christian? So let's take a look at this. Uh, it says, under the angel of the church at Sardis. Of course, we're dealing with these pastors that are going to get in trouble with their congregations because they're being given this, this word from the Lord to share with the congregation because that's where it's going to be disseminated from, you see, to the angel of the church in Sardis. Well, who's that angel? You go back to chapter number one and he begins to explain the, 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 the way that Jesus represents himself to this church. Uh, you find the, the seven stars, right? The seven stars recognized as the seven churches that, that are in his right hand. And the angels are, are you know, the, the representatives of those churches. And the seven spirits recognized as the, as the complete Holy Spirit that is working through the seven churches. So it's not that complicated. It's not like seven different spirits that are that are engaged, but it's the Holy Spirit working through seven different churches. And, and note the fact that the Spirit is communicating to each one of these seven churches to the issues of that church specifically. And so it said the seven spirits because it's dealing with the seven stars and each one of those stars is burning at a different intensity. It's burning with a different light. So it's very important to understand that it's it's the Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit, but He's having to engage each different body to its needs. And of course, we understand the chastisement of God will come to us according to what we need to be straightened out on, not what we think we want to be straightened out on. So he tells this church, and this is so very important for us to understand. He tells this church, I know your works. Now, Understand that what he says in verse number one is is dealing with what is happening in verse number five. So many people come to the church of Sardis and say, see, you can lose your salvation. See, that there's no way that eternal security or or once saved, always saved can be possible because what he says is you'll be blot out your name from the book of life. See, so if you don't do the right kind of works or if you if you're not good enough, God will get rid of you. 
But that's not the reality of, of this particular scripture at all. Because understand, we're not dealing with the lost and we're not dealing with a God who makes a promise to you and then takes it back because he's upset with you. And that's exactly what you're saying when you believe in a conditional-based salvation. Or, well, I shouldn't say or. Anytime a conditional-based salvation is believed, works are the end result that is necessary for salvation to exist. And we know that that is untrue because the Scripture reveals that being is that there is none good, no, not one. Being is that there was none that looked for God, that there was none that had anything to do, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Then by, by nature of those truths, it would be nothing that we could do that could possibly be good enough to be able to cause God to be happy with us. So then we discover that all of the works that we would be faithful in doing after our salvation would be works born in us through the leadership of the Holy Spirit that is indwelt within us. So it, it's very important for you to understand that when we do not serve the Lord after our salvation, it is in direct uh, argument as it was, or direct rebellion to the Holy Spirit that has sealed us unto the day of our redemption. And so when we meet God, it won't go well. There's no question about it. As concerning the distance, what I was saying earlier about what my pastor taught me, between a faithful bride who who was faithful in in serving and in blessing and in doing th that which the bridegroom would call for, and an unfaithful bride who was busy running around, busy being rebellious and independent, doing their own thing. Well, of course, the faithful bride to be received is recognized in the five virgins that were in with the, with the bridegroom when he came because their, their lamps were burning bright because they had the oil necessary, uh, which, by the way, is not the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, but the oil is recognized within the works that it takes to be able to get the oil, and that's the works that they had. And, of course, the, the five virgins, all ten were virgins, so they're all ten the same estate. But there are five that didn't have anything, that didn't have any works, nothing, nothing to be able to give, nothing to be able to shine uh, in the darkness for to, to, to be received. And so they said, go into town and buy. Well, if I could go, go down the street and buy the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, that would be pretty cool. But as concerning works, of course, these are some of the things that I might have to do, uh, you know, some things I might be able to buy. You know, I might be able to do a good work in buying someone a, a meal who's starving. I might be able to do a good work in, in, in providing uh, the money necessary to help a neighbor with an electric bill, or the church could do that uh, through a benevolence fund. There's so many ways that we could buy some of that oil in order to be able to be of service to our bridegroom. And, and so we find that in those works, there were five that, that did serve the Lord and were, were gladly received by them, they were prepared, their lamps were trimmed, their oil was full, they were ready to go. But then there were five that, that were lazy, that did nothing, that 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 didn't have the, the trimmed lamps, that didn't have the oil. And when it came time that the bridegroom might be coming back, they said, well, you give us some of yours. 
I'm sorry. The service I render unto the Lord is something that that I I cannot give. I, I mean, it, it's something that He gave to me to do, and I did it. I can't just give that to you because it's not what I'm doing is not for you to do. It's kind of one of those things. It's very personal with Jesus, isn't it? So they said, go into town and and buy some and get back here quick. Of course, they missed it. They, they went into town. They, they came back. The door was closed. The bridegroom was in. They knocked on the door. Well, you'll find this event happening in Revelation chapter 22, where all of those people in verse number 15 are standing outside the gate of the new Jerusalem, but they're not able to enter. Well, they're not in the estate of hell at this point because... Uh, that's already been dealt with. It's already been judged. That's Revelation chapter 20 from verse number 12, or 15, let's see, 11 actually, down to verse number 15, where all whose names were not, were not written. Now, this is different than being blotted out because a name that is blotted is already written, and we're going to look at that. But this is dealing with names that were not written to begin with, were, were cast in the lake of fire, and that's the second death. Now, anybody who has used a, a fountain pen in, in the past is very familiar with blotting, okay? Because fountain pens, as I have used to want to have one all the time and use it because I thought it was really cool, so I got one and I was going to use it to write a report for a school project when I first went to community community college uh, a long time ago and uh, I, I you know started writing because I thought it was just so cool and I loved the, the the way that the ink was but of course they're they're famous for for blotting and what that is you're, you're writing along and then you get this ink splotch that comes on the page and you go oh no so you grab a, a, a piece of tissue and and you try to uh, soak that extra ink blot up, but of course, as soon as it gets touched, it smears and it spreads, and and the next thing you know, you got a ruined report. You got to write it all over again because back when I was in community college, it's not like everybody had a computer to be able to just sit there and type and delete and backspace and everything else. You actually had a pen uh, and a and a notebook, and you had to write. <laughs> No, it's, it's kind of a nightmare to think about for a lot of our younger generations, but we actually had a dial pad for a telephone. We actually, we actually had a cord that attached the handset to the base and a cord that attached the phone to the wall. I mean, there was a, there was a lot of things back in the days, right? And then there were people in generations before me that had even less. And so we think about the modern conveniences and, and there ought to be a warning in all of these conveniences that was revealed through the churches we're studying. <clears throat> and when that ink would blot with that fountain pen, or sometimes you got one of those cross pens with really fancy rechargeable or replaceable ink uh, cartridges, you would get this blotting effect. And, and the splotch would be on the page and, and you would seek to try and just remove a corner of it, what have you, and then, and then you end up smearing the word. Well, well it, that's exactly what this word in, in Greek here, when they use this as verse number five reveals, he says, I, I, will, not, I will never blot out his name you know, out of the book of life. Well, that, that is a beautiful word right there. In, in Greek, we, we got this situation of blot out. It's a phrase, 
and and it's exalefo, which is what this word blot is, exalefo. I studied a lot of Hebrew, but just a little Greek. <laughs> and and the, end, the end result of this is to smear. And that's exactly what it means to to smear and and ultimately to obliterate and understanding that in the Lamb's book of life that the name would be in that book of life, but then he would blot that name out is to say that it isn't removed from the book of life, but that it is smeared, that it is no longer recognized as as the as a name, as his name or her name. And so you'll find that in Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 15, it says that outside the gates are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and those who love to make lies. Realize that that all of these are being recognized by the category of of how that they had after being saved rebelled <coughs> against the Lord. Now, keeping in mind their rebellion, not even in many ways being recognized by them, because a lot of the things that they were doing were socially acceptable. A lot of things they were doing were were acceptable by the denomination of the church that they were attending. What they weren't paying attention to was their personal responsibility to what the Word of God says. In other words, what I'm trying to say is people aren't studying God's Word for themselves. People are not engaging in, in a daily and personal interaction with God, and they're, they're relying solely on what the pastor is going to teach them on one day in, in any given week, or they're relying on the multitude of teachers, which, by the way, the book of Proverbs warns you against. Having a multitude of teachers can cause you to become so confused and, and, and so bewildered about the Scriptures because there aren't going to be five teachers in on this planet that are going to agree on every point. And so the more teachers you heap to yourself, the more confusion you will find throughout your time trying to listen to all these people and what they have to say about the Bible because they're coming at it from a multitude of different directions. And who's to say that any of them is correct, including me? Throw myself in the boat on that one. But what is necessary is to find that teacher that you believe in, to find that teacher that you trust, and, and to begin growing in your understanding of the Word of God through them until the Lord leads you to another person. And, and, or the Lord raises you up to become that person that teaches so that others may, may learn. And so you've you, you got to understand that if, if we are not faithful to God's calling, to God's service, we, we, we could find ourselves with exalifo, with, with being blotted out, which is not being removed from, from heaven or being kicked out of heaven as it was, that God would take his covenant back, whereas he gave that covenant. Of course, we understand that, that God, everything that God does is eternal. So if, if at the 
point of being 12 years old, you understood the gospel, you received the gospel, you trusted the Lord, and then through the the experiences you had in a, in the church or experiences you had in, in the home or in school, and you began to drift away from God, in so much that you are living a life currently in rebellion to Him in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, well, certainly this message will be used of the Holy Spirit to convict your heart. I pray that you hear him and that you repent because that's exactly what he calls us to do is repent. Look at verse number four. He, well, verse number three, it's very important for us to understand that he calls us to repent. In verse number three, he says, remember then what you have received and heard, and that's exactly what he's talking about. He's calling you back to that position where you received Christ, and it may not even be in the church you're currently in, and in fact, you might have been drawn away from God, from the from the sound preaching and teaching of the church that you re- received Christ in. You may have been drawn away by those teachers of Balaam or those teachers of Jezebel or or the Nicolaitans, which by the way, those guys didn't even think that they were doing anything bad. You see how difficult it is to be be solid and to be true to the Lord today because the people who are being pumped full of the doctrine of Balaam may be people that were just like you at one time. They had received Christ and they were they were in a solid Bible teaching and preaching church and, and, and they received Christ. But then somebody come alongside of them and said, man, that place you're going to, that's fuddy-duddy, man. That's old school. You need to get into this latest church, this newest vibe. You need to get in with all of this this rock and roll, man. You need you need to you need to upgrade your your religion, and so because you don't want to offend somebody, you, you went to their church, and and that music drew you. It caught your soul, and, and and you began to sway with everyone, and you began to become become infatuated with it, like it would be the Jezebel that would sensually draw your your desire and passion out of you, but not in a good way. And, and, and thus you would get, get basically hooked into that style of, of sound and, and, and begin to uh, abandon your first love like Ephesus from the sound teaching and preaching of the gospel as being the primary purpose of, of church. And you would get drawn away unto the, the, the music and the sensuality of the, the lights and the blinking and all of that smoke and junk like that. And, and, and thus you have been drawn by the, the spirit of Jezebel through the teachings of Balaam to become an Ephesus and abandon the love you had at the first. You see how all of that works. And, and the reality is, is that you got led astray by these other people who were led astray. And that's how all of this, this is happening. But then you thinking you've got something n- n- new and amazing, go to the people that were at that church of the sound teaching and preaching of the gospel and say, guys, you wouldn't believe what I'm going to now, man. It's powerful. And, and people go, oh, maybe we ought to check it out. So you had no idea that you were an agent of unrighteousness and drawing people away. And, and, and you had no idea. It's like it, it, it doesn't even register because 
even those who are in that sound teaching and preaching church are not themselves sound in their faith because they are relying on that pastor to give them a message that that, that tickles them from week to week. And that pastor is relying on the Lord to give him the word. And he's in the word of God daily studying. And he's, he's, he's searching the Lord to try and reach the people where their hearts would be so drawn to Christ that they themselves would begin the journey of, of studying the scriptures to know the Lord in a personal relationship with themselves. But most of that congregation is just trying to live through that pastor's own life in the Lord, and, and when they're told of another place that would would better suit their sensuality, boom, they're out of that church and they're in the sensual place. And, and, and they're not drawn to studying God's Word. And so this is the danger of what it is to be Sardis because when we, when we chase after Jezebel and when we're filled up with Balaam or, or the Nicolaitans, and, and we've reached a place where we've become Ephesus and abandoned our first love, we're going to end up dead. We're going to end up spiritually dead inside because we've not studied to show ourselves approved unto God through rightly dividing the word of truth. We're not going to be a servant of righteousness. We're not going to be walking with the Lord. We're going to be chasing after the will of man and after the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and all. Oh, the pride of life. So guess what's going to happen, Christian? Well, should I call you Christian? Guess what's going to happen, believer? You're going to get to heaven after all of that, and Jesus is going to stare at you. Remember, with the eyes of a flame of fire, with the feet of brazen bronze, as in a fire that's been tried, and he's going to look at you and say, you're here because I paid the price for you. But I have chosen not to know you as you have chosen not to know me. For as a man is ashamed of me on earth, so shall I be ashamed of him in my throne room. And if, if a man is even to deny me on the earth, even so I shall deny him before my Father in heaven. Therefore, <clears throat> depart from me, you worker of iniquity." And there be a whole group of people that is increasing every day there on the, on the new earth that has been generated by the Lord, as he said in Revelation 21, of a new heaven and a new earth that will be there dwelling upon that new earth that has no right to be, to be able to go into the new Jerusalem that they once could have had access to because they had not been faithful because they had chased after Balaam and they had chased after Nicholas and they had chased after Jezebel. What does he say in verse number two? Wake up. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Hey, wake up. Drop the act. Stop thinking that you have to have the smoke and lights and rock and roll for people to be able to, to come to church so that you might be able in five minutes to tell them a little something about Jesus. Stop with all of the 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 activities and all of the 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 ridiculousness of trying to draw a world through the sensual pleasures and lust that it of it of it stop seek the spirit 
Seek the Son. Call upon Jesus and the righteousness of His power. Call upon Jesus. Preach the Word. Be instant, in season and out of season. You don't need anything else. <clears throat> you say, well, Pastor, I won't be coming to your church. That's fuddy-dud. Oh, to experience the power of the gospel that doesn't need rock and roll to strengthen it. Doesn't need, doesn't need all kinds of uh, fanfare and junk behind it. That it of itself is the very drawing power that is manifest in the souls of men. Well, the reason why people aren't walking that altar today is because they become so inebriated by the, the music set that they, they don't even know what to do anymore. They're drunk. They haven't even heard the gospel because they're so drunk. They say, well, we weren't serving alcohol at the service. Well, that's debatable depending on how that service went as concerning all of the emotional high that they get out of all the sensual things that take place before the preaching even begins. And that is the danger of Sardis. And he says, if you won't wake up, verse number three, he said, if you won't wake up, I'm coming like a thief in the night. Of course, we understand the nature of the, uh, Jesus every time he speaks as concerning coming as a thief in the night. We understand the connection that, that of his promise of returning this is concerning uh, the concept of rapture as returning. He said, I'm coming as a thief in the night. You're not going to know the hour that I come against you. Well, needless to say that as he comes against you, there'll be some that he's coming for. Just as he recognized here, you still have a few names in verse number four in Sardis. You still have a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments. Note the fact that the garment's already been given. Now that white robe that, that was given unto those at the fifth seal, verses 9 to 11 of, of Revelation chapter 6, you see they these guys have received that robe, but in those that are of the doctrine of the church at Sardis, which are most likely filled with the, the doctrines of the church at Pergamos or Thyatira and Ephesus, that, that have caused them to ultimately be dead before the Lord is because these people have soiled their garments. Now, what is the soiling of the garment? Well, everybody is blessed to receive a white robe as revealed in Revelation chapter number 6 at the fifth seal. It's a white robe that's been blessed upon them. But everyone will also have to walk through the fiery trial of judgment that is applied to the church as recognized in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verses 9 down to 16. And, and everyone who goes through that fire is either going to proceed with gold, silver, and precious stones recognized in the service that they rendered unto the Lord this life, or of wood, hay, and stubble, recognized as the lack of service that has been given concerning the building upon the foundation that they've been given to be as a wise master builder. And so, 
with the wood hand stubble as you walk through the fire due to the generated smoke that is going to be plentiful and all of that being burned up in the fire of God. When you come on the other side of that fire, which is promised that you will come on the other side of that fire because of the covenant that God has made with you, you're going to have, uh, what's the word here? Soiled garments. You're going to have stained garments. It's not going to be uh, white garments because you have not done as the Lord has commanded and you have drawn others away from the Lord and your church as a whole has become dead before God because your works are to glorify you and to glorify your passions and your desires and no longer are you serving the Lord in his righteousness and in his will. So we, we find that you're a soiled garment. Now the soiled garments are not going to be allowed, which makes perfect sense, into the new Jerusalem because only those that possess that white garment will, will be permissible. It makes perfect sense. Only that which is unspotted by the world, which we've heard Jesus tell us to do a, a number of times in the Gospels, to remain unstained by the world Paul's told us that too. And so much that we serve the Lord and not ourselves and not our desires and not man. And so that there will be plenty of people that are dwelling on the earth that are not going to be a part of the old covenant fulfilled in Israel, that are not going to be allowed into the new covenant, which is going to be the church in New Jerusalem with Jesus sitting the throne, who are not going to be a part of the martyred saints that would be recognized up in, in the temple of God during that time of Revelation 21 with the new heaven and the new earth. They dwell upon the earth, but they will, they will be in part disconnected from all of it because their life was disconnected from he who connected them in the first place. Guys, it, it's clear to me. It could be muddy water to you right now, and it's possible that it's muddy water to you because you just don't want it to be true because you enjoy the infatuations of your flesh and the pleasures of, of this life more than what you want to do in serving the Lord. And so you don't want what I'm saying to be true because it's frightening to think that, that you would be not allowed into the presence of Jesus even though you would be in, in, in that new heaven and new earth. You would be in that because of the promise of God. And imagine carrying that with you. Uh, which, by the way, there won't be any tears over because you'll understand completely why this is happening to you. There won't be any sorrow. There won't be any of that, like it says in Revelation 21, because you will, unfortunately, accept the punishment that is rendered upon you because you did not accept the punishment during the time of your life to get right with God and repent. Please, wake up. Wake up. Repent. Our Jesus is going to come, and there's going to be a price to pay, as he's already said in verse number 3. Praise God, if you're serving or currently serving in a church that, that has become Sardis, and you're recognizing that for the first time, but you yourself are not pleased with the things, you just didn't understand what was happening in all of the changes, Realize that Jesus knows you, he sees you, and he understands your frustration because he's awfully frustrated with it. He understands your suffering. He, he's suffering over it as well. And, and he has mentioned you in verse 4. There's still a few names in Sardis that haven't soiled their garments. 
and praise God they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Praise, praise God. Amen. And and if you conquer, if 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 you the whole church would repent, like what happened with with uh, Jonah going into Nineveh, if the whole church would come to a place of repentance and recognizing the direction of their life as being an heir of the church, the whole church would repent, then they would be able to conquer that and, and, and be clothed in those white garments. And those who have not soiled their garments, if they would just remain steadfast, remain faithful to the Lord, and conquer even the, even the connection they have with this place, he says, I'm not going to blot their name out. Out, I'm going to confess them before the Father and before His angels. And that's just as clear as Jesus talking to His disciples and saying, if you guys don't serve me down here, then I'm not going to confess you before my Father in heaven. It's connected to the service of the people of the church. It's not dealing with people losing their salvation or dealing with people that 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 were, were not saved. Jesus was talking to His church, to His apostles, to His people. If you deny me, say, well, Judas denied him and he wasn't in part. Oh, Judas Iscariot. Okay. Peter denied him. Thomas denied him. <laughs> Do we need to go on down the line here? Yeah, there are people of his church that denied him. But they always had the hope of repentance. Judas, he couldn't find repentance, though he sought it with tears and he ended up hanging himself. Peter didn't kill himself. Peter repented of the Lord and became the greatest servant that, that um, existed outside of Paul, certainly. And this is the point. The one who conquers would be clothed in white garments. And I'll never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess it, rather, because I can see it perfectly clear. It's not smeared. It's not obliterated. It's not smeared out. Is clearly read and clearly confessed. Now, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has said to us, the church, today. Father, we thank you and praise you. Asking your blessing upon this study, that it touch the hearts of those who hear it. Well, ask the that you will bless us. Just bless us, Lord. I don't know what else to ask for. Just bless us with this truth today that we may receive it well in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. God bless you. Keep you. Cause His face to shine upon you. And I will catch you Sunday from Martin Baptist Church here in Martin, North Dakota. And uh, it, it's going to be the installation service. I know also down at Morgan's from my, my East Coast brethren, I realize the 250th year celebration is going to be kicking off and, and happening. And, and amen, you guys, you have a great time with the festivities and the service. You've earned it. You've worked hard. Uh, for the blessing of being able to provide for the community. So just like I say, God bless you in it. And, and may he bless the services this weekend. And, and so we'll catch you on Sunday for those that tune in to Martin with me here at the Preacher's Corner. And on Monday, we're diving right back into James and, and kicking up with chapter number two and something that's going to get me in trouble there. So you definitely want to tune in on Monday uh, here at the Preacher's Corner. God bless.